today on It's Time. So in order for me to have true love and fellowship, there is some common denominators that we must have. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. So turn there in your Bible and join Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, We, as we continue on in our study through this book, that the beloved disciple wrote. You know, oftentimes in the book of John, he'll say the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, it isn't that Jesus didn't love all the disciples. It's just that John recognized the love that God had for him. And I believe it's the same way it is today. And my prayer for you is that you recognize the love that God has for you. It's so important. Because once you're loved, you have a shield against rejection. And rejection will cause us to do many things that normally we would never do. In other words, we will do things to fit in the crowd because we don't want to be rejected. Well, if you're, if you're accepted by the best, who cares about the rest? And so this morning, as we look at this little book that John wrote for the early church, I pray that it's going to bless you and restore you. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. And God, that we would notice the placement of these words and these verses in your scripture, that they are so important today in a world that's gone sideways, that we would know who you are. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 4. First uh, John is really important because we notice in the rest of First John that John is talking about how much love the Father has bestowed upon us and how much we're to love one another. And yet we find in the first part of verse 4 something that would almost seem to be contradictory in the world today. And this is why. Now he says, beloved, and by the way, always remember that's who you are too. When the devil tries to throw your past in your face, always remember you're beloved by God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now this is interesting to me. We're going to get into this because again, Jesus warned about wolves in sheep's clothing. And they, the, the devil doesn't care if he's got to tell you 90% truth to slip the 10% of a lie in. And so he says, do not believe every spirit. Now, that tells me that there are good spirits out there and there's bad spirits out there. Now, how does a spirit manifest itself? <clears throat> I think this is really important because a lot of times we have a kind of a Christianese or a spiritual mentality concerning 
spiritual things on, well, don't believe every spirit. What does that mean? Well, it's how the spirit manifests or makes known to what he is. Let's look at this. He says, but test the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So it tells us here that a false spirit will manifest himself through a false prophet. In other words, we find all the way through the scripture where these demonic critters want to move into somebody. We remember the man of Gadara who had a legion of demons in him. We know that demonic activity on a human being can cause many health issues. It can cause all kinds of, of, of um, erratic behavior. Now, again, when we look at this, he says, don't believe every spirit. So somebody coming along speaking in the name of God doesn't necessarily mean they're of God. But test the spirit. We are under biblical authority to test when we hear something, is this truly of God or is it not of God? Now, again, it's going to line up with the rest of scripture, but we have to understand a couple of times, what is the outcome or what is the desired outcome of those who are speaking falsely? Well, we find a lot of things in the Bible and it tells us different reasons why they do what they want to do. Some want you to believe that you're going to be a God yourself someday. And you're going to rule over your own planet. And if you go through the uh, prescribed um, uh, formula of their organization, you will be a God yourself someday. Some want you to believe that Jesus is a great prophet, but not God's only prophet. There's, of course, Buddha, Muhammad, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Confucius. There's a lot of greats out there. You see, don't believe every spirit. That's one of the things we have to be careful of. Another would be that Jesus isn't God at all. In, In fact, he's Michael the archangel. Now, again, you have to remember a false prophet or false spirits always want to knock you off the path that God's best for you has. And so when we understand this, we are under biblical obligation to test the spirits. See, I like to just say, well, you know, accept Christ as your Savior and and you're never going to have to be challenged by anything ever again in your life. Well, friends, that's not the case. Here John writes to the early church, to Christians. He says, my little children, as you go back to uh, 1 John chapter 1, he's telling us that we as God's children must be vigilant and test and make sure that what we're hearing truly lines up with the word of God. Now, the Bible says in the last days, People will wax worse and worse. They're going to heap up to themselves teachers having itchy ears. What does an itchy ear want to want to hear? Something that scratches it. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff out there, friends. And again, so we have to be careful. We know it is a real issue. I have circled the word test in my Bible because that is my 
obligation. You know, there's a lot of questions in the Bible. I've had somebody call one time on every man and answer, and they ask the question, how much does God do and how much do you do? I think that's a great question. Because sometimes God does everything. And sometimes God gives us individuals in his kingdom responsibility. We know that God commissioned Noah to build the ark. And for over a hundred years, Noah worked on that ark. In that particular case, I believe God gave Noah, his family, the stamina, the help to do what God called him to do. But it wasn't just, well, hey, God, when you're ready for the flood, let me know. I'll shut TV off and I'll get in the boat. He worked on that boat for a hundred years. Suffered the ridicule, I might say, for a hundred years as well. The Bible says it never rained up to that point. The earth was watered by a heavy mist or a dew that would come. And so the idea of rain was a foreign thought to them. But yet in the middle of this area, here's this big boat being built with no wheels, no trailer, no way to get it to the ocean. And so here's this boat. And I'm sure he became a laughingstock to many people. Sometimes God does it all. And you'll find this in your own life. Every case is different. And I believe that's why we have to bring every single aspect of our life to God to find out what God wants me to do and what he's already done for us. Now he says, test the spirits. That is our responsibility. That is our responsibility. Second of all, it tells me there's a real enemy out there that wants to knock you off your path. Now again, oftentimes when you're going to test the spirits, you're going to reveal what they really are, seems to be unloving. Now again, we have the National Day of Prayer coming up, and the title of it is to love one another. I can't agree more. And as a matter of fact, you're going to find that one of the greatest discourses John gives concerning loving one another is in chapter 4, but it's predicated upon discerning spirits. You see, you can't really have fellowship with those that don't agree to what the Bible says. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Okay, now we're going to get in some of the testing procedures. Now, again, if you have a car that's not running right, you take it down to the shop and they hook a computer onto it and they turn it on and they begin to analyze. They can tell if the spark is not when firing when it's supposed to or if you have a bad coil in your motor or some other issue They can test to find out where the problem is. This is where we begin to enter into the diagnostics of testing spirits. Now, I've shared this many times before, and here John reiterates it so importantly. He says, By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But you know what? You'll find historians, people who don't even know who God is, saying, oh yes, this Jesus Christ came to this earth. Doesn't mean they're a believer. Doesn't mean we need to believe everything else they say. What is this verse really saying then? 
Well, when we understand what John was writing, knowing personally who Jesus Christ is, he says, by this you'll know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now, who is Jesus Christ? What did John see? Well, as an example, in the book of John, chapter 8, we remember that he was talking with the Pharisees. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. The Pharisees immediately responded, and they said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. And that's when Jesus came back and said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the very statement that Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, John 8, 58, caused a reaction so violent, the Bible says in John 8, 59, they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because Jesus, in John 8, 58, claimed to be ego amini, the God of the Old Testament. When Moses saw a burning bush in the wilderness, when he was exiled on the backside of the wilderness, and Moses' story is an amazing one, 40 years raised in Pharaoh's palace, thinking he was a somebody. After he killed the Egyptian guard, as God began to steer his heart about the oppression of his fellow brethren, he ran and ended up on the backside of the wilderness for 40 years, believing he was a nobody. And after God spoke to him to go set his people free, Moses learned what God does with nobodies. I like that. And as Moses is transitioning out of that 40-year, I'm a nobody place in his life, he sees a bush burning. And he watches it. Hey, that's something you don't see every day. A bush burning in the wilderness. And he checks it out. And he looks at it. And, well, it should be over in a minute. Flash in the pan. By the way, I've seen bushes burning in the wilderness myself. I was going over the pass, just on the other side of Ely, Nevada, if you know where that's at. Lightning storm. Lightning hit a sagebrush, and it was burning. In fact, many forests burned down because of that. And I saw a burning bush. But they burn out, spread, and eventually go out. But this burning bush did not go out. It kept burning and burning and burning. Finally, it caught Moses' attention. And he goes up and he looks at this burning bush. And at the moment that he gets close enough, God speaks to him out of this bush, saying, take off your shoes. Where you stand is holy ground. God reveals to him the plan to go set the children of Israel free from Pharaoh. As Moses is got the orders, as he's turning to leave, he says, oh, and by the way, who shall I say sent me? Uh, Pharaoh, a burning bush, told me to let my people go. Now, that doesn't carry very well. So God spoke to him and said, tell him the I am sent you. 
ego meaning. By the way, the phrase I am is in proper Greek, it's in proper Hebrew, and it's in proper English. You would say I am or I was, but to say, to say I am, present past tense, doesn't fit. Well, but that's what God is, lives in all times present. I don't know anybody like that. Everything I know has a begin date and end date. I become more and more aware of it every time I go to the grocery store and I look for the date on the milk cartons. You ever do that? I do. You buy something and it's out of date. In fact, sometimes you'll go in there and they'll have the, the uh, shopping carts full of discounted items. And why are they discounted? They're out of date. Or they're getting close to getting ripe. Well, and that doesn't usually bother me too much. I mean, you know. But the point is, is that we become aware of the passing of time. But God lives in all times present. We find in Revelation 22, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and last. Lives in all times present. I, I don't know anybody like that. Don't know anything like that. Everything I look at has a date, a 57 Chevy, a a, a 2014 Ford. I'm aware of those things. But to live in all times present where time has no effect. Imagine getting a body. Oh, saints, this is starting to sound better. If you're over 30 here today, I got some good news for you. You got a body that time does not affect. As you get older, you'll notice some things. Things don't work or look like they used to. Muscles that were once here, hang down here. Where your skin used to be nice and smooth with that cosmic glow, now is wrinkly. And you get up in the morning and you hobble to the bathroom, rocking back and forth like a weeble that wobble but don't fall down. It's incredible what we have become. You see, we have a body that's affected by time. But God lives in all times present. And I like that because if I'm going to live, you're going to live in his kingdom forever. We need a body that's not affected by time. What you could do 10 years ago, you will still be able to do with your new body 10 years later. There's things I can't do anymore. Have you noticed that as you get older? Somebody says, well, just... Get a ladder and change the bulb. I can't do that anymore. Why? I lost my dare. I don't know where it went. I just know that when I get up there off about three steps, I'm going, whoa. You notice that? Now, if you're younger, you're listening to this going, what is he talking about? If the Lord tarries, believe me, you will know. But you're going to get a body that's not affected by time. I like that. The I am is going to give you a new body. Now, here's what's important. When Jesus said he was the I am, John 8, 59, they picked up stones to stone him. He was claiming to be God. In fact, that was the whole reason they crucified him. He was claiming to be God. If you read Matthew chapter 1, it says, And he shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. It actually says that in the Bible. Which translated means God with us. So nobody could mess it up. But yet every cult in the world 
has these in common. First, Jesus Christ is not God. Number two, there is no hell. You'll always find those twins accompanying a cult. Now, again, Jesus is one of many of God's sons. In fact, I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, we're all Jesuses. This is that all-inclusive Middle Eastern type philosophy that is permeated into our society today to that basically says, well, why should I listen to what Jesus says is right and wrong when I'm just as Jesus as anybody else? So I determine what's right and wrong for my life. Well, it's a problem. You can go to different churches and they'll teach you that Satan and Jesus are brothers. It's not God's only son. And you find that they teach that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Or Jesus was a phantom. Or Jesus was only in the mind of God, but he really never existed. This is where you know the Spirit is not of God. This is how you know. And the thing is, in the all-encompassing love, and not this ooey-gooey kind of uh, I'm cool, you're cool, let's groove together, cuckoo-cachoo kind of thing, but that we all have de- we all have to identify who Jesus Christ is. So in order for me to have true love and fellowship with other people, there is some common denominators that we must have. And who Jesus is is preeminent. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That means God came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And there's nothing that will cause a cultist to tweak more than that. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist that you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Wow. That's pretty wild, isn't it? The spirit of Antichrist is coming and John says, it's here. Wow. Isn't it weird that uh, Caesar Nero by his command, had some six million Christians fed to the lions and all other kinds of horrible deaths that they faced. Isn't it unusual that this spirit, I believe, has manifested itself down through the history of man? You look at um, some of the tetrarchs that uh, dominating factors in governments through the years. You look at Adolf Hitler. Many people, even people that aren't Christians, believe that Adolf Hitler was possessed. Possessed by something. Maybe it was, in fact, the spirit of Antichrist. But the Antichrist spirit is going to make an appearance in an individual someday soon. We know that's coming. Somebody asked me one time, does the Antichrist know that he's the Antichrist right now on the earth? I don't know that. But the Bible says this man 
who the spirit of Antichrist will move into will receive a head wound. He'll be blinded in his eye and he will make a miraculous mock recovery like Jesus did. He will come back to life and the whole world will wander after him saying, who can make war with the beast? That's a little caveat there for you. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.